Alright guys, what's going on? Thank you for joining me here for another episode of the Sick Boy Lounge, the SBL podcast. Tonight's episode is probably the shortest one that's been done so far. Uh, this one, for this time around, I wasn't able to book a band for the Featured Artist Spotlight. And we also didn't have a guest scheduled, so it was just me kind of touching on some talking points that I had come across uh, the previous week leading up into the show. So we went over some of that. And it was also the 10th anniversary for Valve Software's Left for Dead. And if you remember Left for Dead, it was the iconic first-person zombie shooter that was themed more kind of like a horror movie than it was like a standard video game. And anybody who's actually played any of the Left for Dead titles knows exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't checked it out, I highly encourage you to. Uh, the games are still available on Steam for a very reasonable price. I think I got Left 4 Dead 2 for like 10 bucks, And that's what we ended up playing on uh, for this show. Just to kind of uh, celebrate the anniversary and just touched on some things that the game had done. What they had you know, revolutionized in the industry. Uh, just going over some of the, the AI points with the director and how... The game was basically ahead of its time when it first came out, and the fact that it's still playable and it still has a live audience that still enjoys the game every day speaks to that point and is exactly why we wanted to celebrate the anniversary here. So that's what we got into. This episode of the SBL podcast is, as always, brought to you by the good folks over at OP Seat. And if you are looking for an upgrade to your gaming chair or if you're looking for an upgrade to your desk they have fantastic examples of both of those products their op edge gaming desk is unlike anything that i've ever seen a real sturdy solid steel frame the desks range from three to four to six feet it's got this really cool composite material on the desktop that can react to your mouse the same way that a mouse pad would but is also still strong and sturdy enough to hold your entire rig your monitors your tower your speakers your microphone and your camera setup if you're a streamer i mean the the list is endless to what to what these things are capable of and then you pair that up with their grandmaster series gaming chair which is probably one of the top tier chairs on the market right now. They're really geared towards comfort and sustainability. If you're a bigger frame person like myself, and those things are going to matter to you and you're going to fit really, really nice in these chairs. They're worth every single penny. And if you use my affiliate link, opc.com slash ref, kind of like short for referee, sick boy, 21 sick boys, build with the one you'll get $10 off your purchase. And I believe they're still doing there I may have just wrapped up, so I'll have to look into this too, but they have a sale going on for Valentine's Day. They're knocking twenty dollars off their Grandmaster series plus free shipping. And then if you use that affiliate link or if you use my code sickboy twenty one, you'll get an additional ten dollars taken off your purchase. So why wait? Go to opc.com right now and get your chair. Get your desk, man. Get yourself set up for success. Okay? We are also brought to you by the amazing people over at Rogue Energy. You may be familiar with some of these energy powder drink companies out there that really market themselves towards gamers. And it's a gamer drink. It's gamer energy. It's this, that, and the other. 
these guys are really doing something special. Their product is top tier. It's top of the line. It's one of the best that I've experienced. I, I couldn't be happier to be working with this company and to be a customer. I mean, I, I, I try my best to keep a steady supply of Rogue in my house at all times because I cannot operate during the day without it. I used to be one of those guys that went straight for a canned drink first thing in the morning and just it was nothing but a sugar dump and now I'm actually putting something in my body that's helping me it's helping me focus it's helping me stay sharper it's helping my reaction times when I'm in tense situations like in a really hot game it's got dehydrated fruit powders for their flavorings and no sugar so I'm getting I know what I'm getting and I know what I'm putting in my body and I know that it's all good uh, and it's not just a gamer drink. You can use it as a amazing pre-workout. I've seen guys in their Discord server uh, just praising the benefits that they get from it as a pre-workout supplement. So what are you waiting for? Get over to RogueEnergy.com. Use code SICKOS. SICKOS is spelled with a 1. And get 10% taken off your entire order. And their new flavors, the strawberry kiwi and the grape popsicle. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, now come in their starter packs. So you can get a sample pack of like five different flavors plus a shaker cup. So that when you finally decide what that flavor is that just really is right for you, that you just absolutely love. You'll already have your shaker ready to mix it up and you're ready to go in the morning. Rogueenergy.com. Get in there today. And last but not least, we are brought to you over by the folks from Pro Gaming Crew. Now, you might see on Twitter, you might see on Facebook or social, any of the other social media outlets where these streamers and some of these gaming uh, eSport guys are either partnered or they're being sponsored by these grip companies. You know, they, they pride themselves on making these amazing grips for controllers and stuff. And that's awesome. Pro Gaming Crew has... You know, some of the best grips on the market and skins. But they don't stop just there like some of these other companies do. They have headsets. They have mice and keyboards. They have extra cables. They have uh, replacement controllers for your Xbox or for your PlayStation. I mean, they have all kinds of shit. It's not just the grips that they do really well. It's everything else. And they always have these amazing deals going on. And what they've done for us. And for you guys, is they've they allowed me to give you 20% off any purchase made at ProGamingCrew.com. And just use the same code as you would at Rogue. Use code SICKO, spelled with a 1, and you'll get that 20% off. So you have no reason not to get those upgrades that you've been so, so craving to put onto your setup. And we all deserve an upgrade every now and then. So get in there. Go to ProGamingCrew.com. Use the code and get yourself set up, man. Okay, so yeah, let's get into this. We got the Left 4 Dead anniversary that we were talking about, playing some games. Uh, we went over some of the uh, Mr. Deadmoth stuff that was uh, pretty hot in the news there for a while, as well as um, Overwatch competitor Ellie basically being harassed endlessly to the point where she ended up quitting her team and now is no longer pursuing her dream to be a pro Overwatch player, which, you know, if... If you ever happen to catch this episode, I, I mentioned this in, in the podcast, but if you ever happen to listen to this or even watch this in any capacity, 
don't let this deter you. You know, you, you there are people out there that are pulling for you and that want to see you do well. And I'm one of them. I want to see you succeed and I want to see you chase your dream. Um, take some time, of course, to, you know, center and de-stress and, and you know, come back stronger. But definitely come back. No one deserves to have their, their dream ripped away that way, the way that you did. And hopefully, hopefully we do get to see you again out there making a name for yourself. So on that note, ladies and gentlemen, the Sick Boy Lounge is open for business. All right, what is going on, everybody? How have you been? It's been a little while. I took last week off. We uh, we got some some stuff going on over here at the the Sick Boy household. Uh, we actually just signed a lease on a new place, so we've been getting things set up and lined up, getting ready to move in. Trying to get things packed, trying to make sure just, you know, shit's in order, so... Things have been crazy, so we took some some family time last weekend. But hopefully, everybody is is doing well, and you know we didn't miss out on too much last week. Anyway, uh, for those of you that are here, thank you, thank you for taking part in the show. Thank you for joining me here in the Sick Boy Lounge, the SBL podcast, weekly show every Saturday, nine p.m. Eastern, or roughly thereabout. And uh, normally, I either have some sort of a guest here to join me on the show or i am doing the featured artist spotlight i actually have neither of that today you know like i said things have been kind of distracting around here and just getting ready for the move and and you know all the changes and and stuff that's going on and shit so i didn't line up a band for today it's just going to be uh all all user requests i got the uh the request song request stuff open so that's available to anyone. Just use the command exclamation point song request or exclamation point SR if you want to request a song while we're playing some games here today. We're going to be going over quite a few things here. One thing in particular that I wanted to just kind of get out there and get it out in the open, not necessarily get it out of the way. It's, it's not one of those things that you just get out of the way. But it's definitely something that needs to be talked about. And... If you're not familiar with the story, I'm not even sure how long ago it's been now, but it feels like it's been several weeks, at at least a month. It's been about a month for sure. Um, There was a streamer, an Australian streamer by the name of Mr. Deadmoth, and he was caught in the middle of a domestic abuse incident while on stream. And, of course, you know, that created all kinds of an uproar. It got reported to the police there in his area, and he was arrested. And and I think he's been charged, and he's just waiting for a a trial date. And he's out on bond right now. Um, And then, of course, you know, Twitch obviously brought a ban on his account. And, you know, he wasn't allowed to stream anymore. Um, And then, all of a sudden, his ban was lifted. And he was allowed to start streaming again. Obviously, that did not sit well with a lot of people. And that created quite an uproar on on social media, on Twitch itself. Uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of streamers were recovering it during their shows and and during their broadcasts. 
And while the ban has been reinstated because of that, it's been because of the the noise that everybody made, viewers and streamers alike. You know, because everyone made understandably a huge deal out of this thing and his his ban was reinstated but it does kind of raise a question and there was a video that was made by another streamer that i follow on twitter uh I believe his name is lance double l lance and he makes he makes these little skit videos and some of them have pretty good points attached to him one of them being here in this case where it seems like twitch's terms of service as far as like how they go about enforcing certain rules and how the terms of service are actually implemented or or withheld or however however you want to look at it um kind of a flip-floppy method that they have going on there what becomes bannable nowadays you know you've you've seen if you haven't i i know i have since the thing took place i've seen a lot of a lot of arguments being made for you know one guy uses a curse word in a person's stream and you know they get an instant ban and you know this guy is beating his wife and in front of his kids and he's only banned for a week and i'm pretty sure there's other streamers that have been slapped with the perma ban and you know they haven't been allowed to come back and probably have not done anything nearly as severe so it does raise the question, where does Twitch draw the line? You know, what is what, what are the things that are that are on the opposite ends of the fence between acceptable and non-acceptable? And how are we supposed to know the difference? You know, when when they're almost turning a blind eye to what was essentially spousal abuse that was caught on camera. It wasn't physically caught on camera, but you know, legally speaking, he was off camera. All you heard were the sounds and everything. But those of us that saw the video that have seen the clips and, and all the stuff online and everything, we know. We know what happened. We're not stupid. You know, we know what that sounds like. And it's not. It's not something that needs to be just overlooked. And it's definitely not something that needs to be condoned in any way. When you have a person that's connected with that, you don't want to be connected with them along with it. You know what I mean? It's a very, very slippery slope. And Twitch kind of seems not very aware of just how close to the peak of that slope that they are. And about to start slipping because, you know, people took notice and, and they made they brought about the change that they needed but I mean, should it have even gotten to that point? That's kind of the thing that, that I find myself asking is should should Twitch have allowed it to even get to the point where people had to cause an uproar and people had to cause a big scene on on the internet and on Twitch's platform and on individual social media accounts and it's just I mean it was in different blog posts. The whole the whole story was was covered in in multiple areas so i mean it wasn't exactly a low-key story it wasn't exactly like you know only a handful of people knew about it so as broadcasters as content creators as streamers however you want to approach this this side of the of the of the subject 
what does that do for as far as you know the amount of trust that you have for the platform that you've chosen to to broadcast your content on you know like twitch has been really awesome since i've gotten on um i've even convinced uh or helped convince a friend of mine to to jump over and, and start streaming on twitch um i've met a lot of cool people doing this particularly doing this show and, and this podcast i've since i've begun this journey I've, I've met a lot of cool people that have kind of helped shape or kind of like helped give me certain you know pieces of advice or give me guidance that has led me to doing this particular type of, of broadcast and you know there are a lot of benefits from being on this platform that being said, <clears throat> what's to be said for their decision making? And how are we supposed to just kind of take in confidence that they have our best interest at heart? You know, if I come on here and I'm I'm doing a podcast one day and I, you know, let anything slip or let one of my my chatters go unnoticed and they're they're being rather abrasive to other viewers or shit like that where does that put me as far as like on Twitch's radar you know i have no way of knowing apparently you know there's there's a very vague line that's been drawn and the only people that seem to know about it are twitch and as a broadcaster, that's kind of an uncomfortable feeling because incidents like this, you know, they, they start to raise question marks into how certain rules are being enforced and into how certain guidelines are, are being viewed. And what are we supposed to do about that? You know, it just seems very, very slippery to me. And I'm not sure how you guys feel about it. I'm not sure what. What other comments are being made? You know, there's a lot of different areas out there for people to, to really be vocal. So trying to keep up with it all is, is very overwhelming. So that's why I just come on here and I ask you guys straight up. What do you think about this? You know, how do you feel? Are, are, are you a broadcaster yourself? And does this in any way make you weary of, of being a streamer on Twitch? Does it make you want to jump to another platform are you still confident in the way Twitch handles their business? And is this something that, you know, it's just a wash. Twitch made a mistake and, you know, they're doing their best to handle it. Or is this a glimpse at just how kind of second-handed certain security measures are, are dealt with in this instance? I'm not really sure how to phrase this. I mean, the whole thing is just very strange. It's not something I ever thought I would be talking about, but yeah, here we are. So trying to, to come at it from almost a, a debatable angle, it's kind of confusing because I don't really have the wherewithal to to make any kind of judgments one way or another. I mean, I can sit here and say, you know, personally as as a father and a husband and family man myself i you know i can offer those personal opinions all day long but as a show host i 
I have a responsibility to try and be objective and and some somewhat neutral, but man, that's hard to do in, in situations like this. So I just really wanted to kind of bring it out there, kind of go over some of the questions that it, it kind of raises in my mind, just kind of see where you guys stand on it and, you know, how do you feel about it? Even how you feel about it personally, or if you're a streamer, how do you feel about it professionally as well as personally? If you have a family, you know, I'm pretty sure this pisses you off in some some degree. I don't know, man. I'm surprised the guy's married for one thing. He seems really young. Like when I when I saw the clip, he looked like he was no more than maybe 18. So maybe it was a girlfriend or something, but they have a kid. You know, the whole thing happened right in front of his kid. You know, you can hear the kid crying off camera. It's, the whole thing's heartbreaking and rage inducing. It's, just, I mean, it's a whole roller coaster of different human emotions that you feel witnessing something like that. Even if you didn't outright witness it, it did happen off cameras. I'm sure his, his lawyer is going to try and argue, but he, yeah, he got charged for that shit. I mean, he spent, at least a night or a couple of nights in jail before he got bonded out and he's he's just waiting on a trial so we're waiting to see any updates on the story <clears throat> you know to see what happens to him and legally speaking what is up h46 how are you doing man thank you for coming on in we're just talking about um some of this mr dead moth nonsense that's been going on um and not so much the situation specifically, because uh, his you know his band did get reinstated. Now he's just waiting for trial. He's he's been charged and and all this kind of stuff. So it's not looking good for him. But it does kind of raise question marks on on how it's uh, on how it's all being handled. Dude, what is going on? Yeah, here we go. Chat's getting active. Saige and Mountain says, I just had to watch the video. It's very frustrating because I get that she was throwing stuff and shit, but at the same time, you don't go beat her, and especially not in front of children. It's horrific. It is. It's inhuman. You know? It's it's a it's a great disregard for for anyone's well being around you. Raven Crow, how are you doing? Good sir. Good to see you, man. Hope the uh the siege siege play has been going well for you, man. Um, but like, just, you know, even from a, a professional point of view, just as, as a streamer and as a broadcaster, it kind of makes you wonder where is the line, you know, what is too much? What is considered getting too, too abrasive, too aggressive? What is getting too overexposed? I mean, you know, I, I almost don't even know how to phrase the question because I almost feel like I shouldn't even have to ask. It just seems ridiculous that we have now found ourselves in a situation where we can even begin to question the integrity of the platform that we actually enjoy creating our content on. But you know the the whole thing is 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 subject to opinion as of right now oh, but it's very unsettling it is you know i i don't see myself changing platforms just yet um this is a company that's still run by people and people by nature are just fallible creatures and they're bound to make mistakes so 
and they have corrected for it. Granted, after quite a uproar that was caused by the community, viewers and streamers alike. So they did, you know, they did go back and they did correct the mistake, but it does raise the questions. It does raise the questions about validity and security and whether or not you trust the people that are in charge and, and shit like that. So very, very slippery slope there. Weird stuff. Strange shit going on. I don't know. I do know that I like hearing you guys' opinions. If you guys want to weigh in on the topic, you can either do so here in the chat or you can go into the Sick Boy Discord. Uh, there will be an auto thing that comes up every once in a while. Um, so, yeah, that's one thing that's happened over the past couple of weeks and uh, definitely needs to be talked about. You know, not something that can just be kind of like overlooked or ignored in any kind of way. I don't think some people just don't like talking about shit like that. And that's OK, too, you know. It was very unprofessional by him, too. It was. I mean, it's not even necessarily just unprofessional, but, I mean, also just I, there's got to be a little narcissism at play there because, like, he was just on stream. His camera was on. I mean, he was in the middle of a live broadcast. He knew the camera was on. He knew the mic was on. He knew there was all this video and audio data being transmitted, and he did nothing to show any kind of forethought from that. I don't want to say like he tried to cover it up or anything because I I don't I don't I don't buy into shit like that, but a person of that mindset would normally not try to get caught. And in this instance it seemed like he didn't care if he got caught. Almost like he wanted to get caught. I don't know. I'm I'm not a cop, I'm not a detective, not a psychologist. I'm just a dude that see shit and I can only go with the best that I have. And that's, you know, being able to derive some kind of conclusion based on what I have in front of me. And all I have in front of me is some wacky clip with some of the most horrific shit that I've ever heard. And that's really all I got to go on. That's all anyone has to go on at this point. The only people that really know what happened were the people that were there. You know, we know what we heard. We know those sounds, and some people know those sounds better than others. If you've ever been involved in a situation like that, my heart definitely goes out to you. But it's um, it's pretty obvious what took place, and he he definitely needs to to be punished rightfully for it. Um, but definitely need. Recognition needs to be handed out to the Twitch streamers and the Twitch viewers for getting the shit done. It was you guys that really got the job done. It was all of us that that took to our Twitters and our Instagrams and were tagging Twitch left and right about just how really insensitive that really came off and how they, they lifted that ban. So um a lot needs to be said for just the sense of community that some of these streamers have been able to create and just really round rally people around a cause together and to get a positive solution brought out of it. So that definitely needs to be recognized. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, but so 
We're just going to have to wait and see what happens from a legal standpoint. And uh, I'll be paying close attention to, you know, any news updates or anything like that. And I'll be sure to try and keep you guys informed as best I can, either through social media or through the Discord. Um, It's normally where I try and post updates and shit or whatever we're going to be talking about on the show. So, yeah. There's that going on. We'll uh, try and stay updated as best we can. And then right on the heels of that, right on the heels of that happening, maybe a couple of days after, at least that I was made aware of the story, uh, this was a story that was posted about a week ago on Game Rant, where a fam- uh, excuse me, a female professional Overwatch player has quit after harassment and threats. Now, anyone who keeps up with the esports side of things probably a lot closer than I do. I'm still kind of introducing myself into the different outlets that cover esports a lot closer than in some of the pages that I follow. Uh, there's a player named Ellie. Uh, she had just signed a deal. Hold on, let me see if I can find this. December 21st, professional Overwatch team competing in Overwatch Contenders, which is, from what I understand, is equivalent to, like, baseball minor leagues, but for Overwatch. There was a a team called Second Wind who had signed this player. Uh, The announcement was immediately made, uh, or the announcement was immediately followed by online harassment aimed at Ellie with the end result seeing the newly signed professional player quit her team. Now, when you hear the word harassment, obviously it's never going to be in good context, but in this case it wasn't physical or it wasn't sexual, it wasn't anything like that, but it was definitely mental because from what I understand from this story, it was mostly aimed at a conspiracy theory to where they thought the person Ellie didn't actually exist that it was like a character or some something that someone had just made up and it was just a name that different players would play under or some shit weird shit like that um yeah here we go the online harassment into Ellie stemmed from a conspiracy theory that Ellie wasn't real uh was instead a male professional overwatch player posing as a female It seems this conspiracy theory mainly started because Ellie chose not to use her legal name after signing to Second Wind, whereas the other members of her team did. And her Twitter account was also a brand new account that was just made. So there's some weird, fishy little things that are going on after her time of signing with the team. It could be she already felt self-conscious being a female, trying to join into a league that, uh, you know, was predominantly male occupied um still that's that's no excuse for for some of the treatment that she received for any of it nothing should keep any player from being able to play on any team male female doesn't matter doesn't matter what the game is doesn't matter who you are where you came from if you're a skilled player, if you're if you're a qualified player, and if the team will be better because of you being on it, that is all that should fucking matter. End of story. None none of the other details in between matter one fucking bit. 
Okay, it's these are these are team based games. The team only succeeds if the team functions well, and if this addition of this player allows your team to function well. Whether you're a fan, whether you're a a teammate, doesn't fucking matter. If this person playing on this team makes that team better, fuck your opinion. Let them play. I, I Again, saying things I don't feel like should actually have to be said. But apparently they do because there's just assholes in the world. And there's nothing that really a whole lot that you or I or anybody can really do about that. Some people are just fucking assholes. And in this case, they managed to convince a person to give up on their dream of playing Overwatch professionally. And that's really fucked up. I thought she was made up. Like who? Other than for maybe like a practical joke. But who would carry it this far? And who who would? Like, what what's to gain? There's nothing to gain from from making up a player's name and then having other people play under the same name to try and and keep the lie going. I just I. I fail to understand the logic behind it because I don't see a win on the other side. You know what I mean? Like, there has to be some kind of an end goal. There has to be some kind of of reward at the end of this that the person hopes to receive, be it a a personal one or, or whatever you can imagine. I just, I don't know. And I, I equally don't know why why anyone would believe that. It just seems very ridiculous to me that that even caught foothold as as a rumor, you know. And even if it were true, like uh, I don't know. I mean, if it were true, that would really suck, you know. And that would go to possible negative things shining on on the teams and how they how they conduct business and how they conduct themselves and what have you. I don't know. I'm trying to look at it from both sides here, people. And that's that's just really hard to do because I just find this so stupid that people can actually get themselves to a mentality where they feel like they can believe in just silly shit and then allow that to affect their their decision making. It's just dumb. And now it's affected a person's life. You know, they felt so shamed and embarrassed and and humiliated that they quit. They quit. They gave up on their dream because of that, man. That's bullshit. I I definitely think that there should be there should be some kind of way where there should be some kind of way this this person should be able to resign with a team and come back with without any kind of repercussion. I mean, I understand if that would take a while. Like, I, I can't even begin to try and put myself in, in the shoes of this person and understand how how they're feeling after all of this. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's total BS, dude. I totally agree. The thing that really excited me about esports when it was starting to really gain some positive attention, it was really starting to blow up in the, all these different areas and all these different games was that the little guy finally was going to get a chance to shine in the big spotlight. You know, that kid that's always p- 
picked last for gym class or, you know, you're into your nerdy cliche here because we've all experienced it at some point, or at least most of us have, I'm sure. And now here we're giving us a chance to actually shine in these stadium-like environments, in these arenas of our own of our own choosing and we actually get a chance to be the big guy on the big screen. You actually have assholes out there that just want to take that from you. You know, the bullies have still followed and it's not something that you get rid of. I mean, I can sit here and preach all day about, you know, how to handle stuff like this or how to deal with it or what, whatever, but that's not going to work for everybody. You know, we're not all built the same way. We're not all wired the same way. Some people handle certain situations differently than others. I hope this isn't a permanent thing. I I definitely hope Ellie feels confident enough one day to try to come back and and start playing Overwatch again. Um, If you ever happen to catch wind of this show and if you ever happen to see this in particular, um, you know, Feel free to come on anytime, and if you want to tell your story, you deserve a second chance. You definitely deserve to get back out there and realize your dream, because that's bullshit. You never should have had that taken from you. You never should have been in a position where you felt that people had that kind of power, because they don't. I can promise you that. You know, you... You deserve that second chance, so hopefully you reach a point where you're confident again to where you can come back out there and maybe sign with another team or maybe compete on a more independent level, whatever is comfortable for you, but um, definitely don't don't let this deter you forever. You know, if you if you have a dream, you you deserve just as much as any of us. A chance to try and realize it. Saige and Malton, thank you for the host, man. I appreciate your support, sir. Very, very kind of you. <clears throat> so, yeah, Ellie, don't give up, all right? Just take some time, take a breather. Keep practicing, you know. Don't get rusty because you need to come back. You need to try again. You deserve just as much chance as anybody else has out there. Okay, let's see if we can find some good news, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Okay, so there's been quite a few articles. There's been a little bit of buzz going around about this epic-looking story-driven game called Anthem. Uh, I believe it's coming to us from Electronic Arts Studios. And if anyone is familiar with them, they know that they are no strangers to controversy, most recently being the Star Wars Battlefront 2 release and all the loot box nonsense and Germany essentially banning the game and calling loot box a form of gambling and this is illegal and all this kind of stuff. It's it's very shaky ground that they've been on all right i'm going to have to sleep now i'll catch you soon dude hey man no worries i know you're you're far far ahead in in hours 
compared to us. So thank you for at least tuning in. Thank you again for the host, man. I definitely appreciate you. Uh, get some rest. We'll see you soon. Okay, so Anthem. Yeah. EA, they were in the loot box controversy not too long ago. Core behind it. They don't need any more bad news is what I'm getting at. Um, and part of what this article is saying is like kind of with games now being very heavily reliant on like season passes and annual passes and things like that. The developers of Anthem, Bioware, are actually saying that there are going to be no passes, no season passes, no annual passes. In fact, he quotes, just get the game. Uh, Bioware had previously stated that there would be no season pass for the game about seven months ago during E3. This further confirms that EA and Bioware are sticking to that commitment. Now, a lot of people will look at that and be like, fuck EA. You know, we're, we're still bitter about all that shit that happened before. They did not handle that situation very well, and neither did, um, I think it was DICE. Yeah. The AMA that they had on Reddit, I mean, that was a shitstorm. And they avoided every question that was drawn to them about all of the loot crate nonsense and everything. So, I mean... I hope that they learned from that, and I hope that that's going to carry on into this game. We're actually going to get the full fucking product that we pay for on release and not just like a third of it and then have to get the rest of it through paid DLCs. Like, I'm I'm kind of done with it. I don't know if everyone feels the same way. I don't know if other people have maybe evolved further than I have or just kind of like, oh, DLCs are just the way things are now. I mean, if they are, I will eventually get over it, but I am, you know, still of that old school mindset where we go to a game store and we pick a game up off the shelf. And when we give the person at the counter our money and they give us the receipt and our change, if that's applicable, as we walk out of the store that we have 100% of the product that we just fucking paid money for. End of transaction. God damn it. Like, that shit doesn't need to continue. And I, I can kind of... I can also get the argument from developers saying, oh, well, you know, deadlines are just becoming shorter and shorter and shorter, and we're having to put games out sooner than we like, and, you know, distributing the content this way just makes more sense. It would if you didn't still charge full price for the game on release. You know what I mean? So if I'm going to pay 80 bucks for a digital deluxe of Star Wars, give me 80 bucks worth of the game. Don't make me pay 80 and you're only going to give me like $35 worth of a game. It's those those little ball teases that don't fly very well because they're normally not followed up by anything. <laughs> But just as a consumer, it's also kind of insulting. You know what I mean? Like you're you're banking on the fact that I'm going to be okay with giving you full price for this product, but you're only giving me a fraction of what I paid for. But then I'm going to give you more money 
for essentially the same product. I it's it's not okay. That's not okay to me. Just from a consumer's point of view, that is just a huge slap in the face. You know what I mean? Now for online like multiplayer games, I can kind of see where season passes and stuff like that really function, but that's more on like a free to play basis with you know other games like maybe I don't know, like Smite or League of Legends or, you know, any any free-to-play that has a massive multiplayer platform on it. You know, that I can get behind doing season passes and, you know, extra downloadable content that's paid for or whatever because the game still has to have a way to survive. I just, I don't know, man. I don't know enough about the industry to really say any absolutes. I can just kind of talk about where I'm at from from my point of view and my perspective. It's it's that's just kind of how it's felt over the years. And for for Bioware and Anthem to just, you know, definitively say no season passes, no annual passes, just get the game. It's that's refreshing to me as someone that's in that old school mindset of buy game, take game home, end of story. Um Anthem is still in its alpha state. Some players taking part in the closed alpha test demo earlier this month, and the game is scheduled to release February 22nd, 2019. February 22nd, 2019. I know you wanted me to repeat that so you could write it down because you're going to go get this game like I am. Uh, launch and post-launch plans should be even more in focus for the developer than last summer, where many of those statements were made. Bioware has not revealed exactly what Anthem's post-launch content will be. Ooh, scary words. But according to lead producer Michael Gamble, players will be able to enjoy all of the content Anthem to has, has rather, and will eventually have to offer. Listen to this. By just paying the game's initial price tag. Purchase game, take game home, end of fucking story. We'll see if it works for them. I really hope it does. I really hope this proves me right. That these types of games can still survive. That there is still a fan base for story-driven, 100% content games. There is. There has to still be other people that have my type of mindset. You know what I mean? I'm going to be just be playing some games, but I'll lurk. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the lurks always. There has to be other people out there with my my similar thought process here. I know there are, actually, because I've talked to several of them. Some of them are even my friends. Probably why I'm friends with them, because we think alike. But that's... That's the kind of stuff that I miss, you know? Just those those epic stories that you just got lost in where you just followed your one character and you're meeting all of these different people and you're you're performing a narrative through this fantasy world that's filled with all of these characters that you start to kind of like form relationships with not in like a very literal sense obviously but in the way that you would with a good book 
like my friend what once said on one of our first episodes it's like reading a good book or watching your favorite movie you know you you start to connect with some of these characters and you start to find yourself really immersing into this other world that they've created it's an awesome experience it's a it's a great great way to carry on storytelling brad what is going on dude thanks for coming in man appreciate you there's still a fandom out there for story games for story driven content that's 100 percent yours from the day that you pay for it and for anyone just joining us that's what we were just talking about the folks over at bioware saying that anthem is going to be 100 percent good to go from the day of purchase, all future content, post-launch content, you'll be able to joy, enjoy only paying the game's initial price tag. That is a quote from the article. And that is an awesome, awesome thing. I think that is great for them to try and take that leap and to show them that that kind of content can still survive. That it's not all about battle royales, Brad. It's not. Some of us out there still want our Paragons, and we still want our Evolve, man. So I think that's what this game is going to do. I think it's going to show other studios that those kind of games can still survive. They just have to make it survivable, and they have to make it palatable to their demographic. They have to make it something that people want to play. And I think a lot of that carries over with just kind of the way the game is treat, treated post-launch. And if whatever these, you know, these guys are thinking of doing after this after this game comes out, bro, you, I know you were crushed, man. Trust me, I know that face. I know that feeling. And it sucks. But I hope, like I was saying, I hope these guys really come through to prove the other guys wrong, man. Because we need more developers that are, that are going to be <laughs> willing to stand behind their content even when the ground starts look a little bit shaky just a little bit you know they don't just turn tail and run like look look what daybreak was able to do with h1z1 that game was practically fucking dead in the water and they've been able to not only revamp it they've built an entire professional league around it that as far as i can tell has been very successful and then converting to free-to-play surviving off of microtransactions and paid dlcs and shit totally smart move on their part you know the game was dying otherwise they just found a way to to revitalize it you know have it rise from the ashes they didn't just fucking shit on it and said all right we're done with it we're just going to move on to this thing that's actually making money you know that's what epic games and and 2k apparently do a game starts to kind of slope backwards to back down the hill a little bit and they just fucking kick it the rest of the way down and fuck see you later and they shut the shit down, man. Sometimes it comes with, like, not even a warning, as as you experienced. For me, it was with Paragon. I found the game, like, four days before it was scheduled to be shut down. Damn you, 2K. Damn you, Epic. I've heard other people say the same thing in the way they handled Unreal. And they pulled an Unreal on Paragon. But they got Fortnite. I'm not going to sit here and shit on Fortnite, but 
it's one of the reasons why I can't bring myself to really. I can't allow myself to enjoy that game be, because of how they've handled their past content. Who knows how much longer it's going to be around, you know? The way they treat their games, if, you know, they get a couple of bad weeks or some shit, they may shut that shit down. Who knows? You know, it's impossible to predict what some of these developers are going to do. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing. In this case, I think it's a bad thing. It gives a very unstable feeling to the security you have within your content. Brad, I was so hyped watching that clip before I tried getting on. I downloaded Realm Royale. It's a lot of fun. Realm Royale is a lot of fun. I think Hi-Rez is taking a very original take on that particular genre of games and still implementing the a lot of the stuff from Paladins. Um, if you never played Paladins, that's basically a free-to-play Overwatch. But original characters and abilities and backstories and things like that. Anyway, class-based shooter. It's really fun. Uh, so I thought that was really creative of them to be able to kind of work in essentially what's already been created as a genre on its own with Battle Royale games, but implementing the a lot of the Paladins-type aesthetics and, and features and mechanics and shit. Terra Boner, what is going on, dude? Thank you for jumping into the chat. I hope you're having a good weekend, sir. Um, so yeah, I may re-download that if there's cross-play involved, dude, I will definitely get some, some matches in with you, Brad. Uh, that was a fun game. <clears throat> Another one that's actually in its alpha stage, I saw an, an announcement on Unilad. I can't talk too much about it because I am also involved with the alpha program, but there is another battle royale game called Spellbreak. That is currently being developed. You don't use weapons like guns and grenades and stuff. You actually use magic as your weapons in a battle royale, kind of like medieval set. That, if they're able to do their post-launch stuff just the right way, I think that game is going to take the fuck off. That is a just over-the-top original take on that style of game. The fact that no one had thought of it up until that point is is kind of is kind of mind-boggling but for the people that have thought of it and that are working on it it's going to be the shit that's all i can really say unfortunately but yeah <laughs> um i think uh yeah they're on instagram and twitter if you go to or do a search for unilad gaming u n i l a d uh, they have a really cool video clip of the game. Right now, I feel like a lot of beginner streamers are feeling pressured to switch games or look up any games to stream. I know I am. It's a trying time for developers right now, too. That's a very good point, actually. And I'm glad you brought that up because the indie developers are grinning as fuck right now. Uh, a couple of them that I follow on Twitter <coughs> are actually starting to see a lot more people reviewing their stuff on Steam and including their games and, and their streaming and, and YouTube content and shit like that. Um, I think you're, what you're seeing from the indie market is more creativity. And that 
there is this other, you know, especially within within the Twitch market with battle royale games, it is saturated with streamers, especially. I'm not shitting on them, but with Fortnite, because of the people that have made that game what it is, and because of it rising to popularity so quick, a lot of people that are jumping into streaming or jumping into streaming because they either really enjoy playing Fortnite and they see a bunch of other people streaming it, or they know that they want to get into streaming as a potential serious hobby or maybe even an eventual career, and they see that being the, like the hot game of the week and assume directly that I have to play that game if I want to be successful, when that's just not the case. And I think more beginner streamers are starting to realize that and as they realize that they're starting to realize I can do whatever the fuck I want. It's my channel. It's my show. I turned mine into a podcast. It wasn't always this, you know, and I would run myself ragged trying to practice and train and get good at these games because I too fell under that wicked, horrible spell that made me think in order to be a successful streamer, I had to be super good at these games and make all these crazy clips and highlights and and reels and go after breaking records and like you know getting the most wins in a day or some shit like that i'm sure i've talked about this before this probably won't be the last time either but it's a topic that keeps coming up because of this very thing right here and now more people are starting to just kind of break out of that that haze and start to realize who says i have to play this there's other good content out there. Who's who's keeping me from doing that? Well, they are. We are. You are. When there's a lack of content going around, it's not because there's a lack of content. It's because we've become tunnel visioned as broadcasters. And we've convinced ourselves into thinking a certain way that, that takes this to be successful. We've been duped, guys, and we've kind of done it to ourselves. We've allowed these people to influence us in such a way that we start to kind of fall into their line of thinking instead of approaching our creative works from a creative way of thinking. Do what you want. If the indie games are appealing, there's a lot of them that are. Make your content on that. The large, the, the the main focal point of this stream of my show is the podcast. The games just facilitate the entertainment, you know. Especially when I have other other broadcasters or other other gamers on as as a guest or someone just to kind of hang out for the show. We're bantering back and forth, trying to do that during a game that actually makes some pretty funny moments. You can go back through my clip history and shit. And there's times where I got so lost in conversation that I just kept running a straight line and ended up getting myself fucking killed because of it. Running straight off of a roof and just getting fucking covered by zombies. But I think what more people need to try and realize is that when you become a broadcaster, you need to become a broadcaster for one person, and that's you. The viewers will come eventually. Yeah, yeah. they'll come eventually. And it's not going to be because of the game you play. And it's not going to be because whether you're good or bad. At the end of the day, it's going to be because they want to watch you. 
The question you have to ask yourself is, what do I want to give them to watch? Because I guarantee you, whatever you come up with, there's going to be a market out there for it. There's going to be an audience for it. You know, Brad in particular, Brad will roll you, this guy in my chat, he's a streamer. He's really good at it. He's affiliate. He has probably one of the most laid back, like chilled, unexcited personalities unless something totally unremarkable happens in his game. And it just creates just like this real laid back atmosphere while you're watching him play. And it's just be kind of like, you know, the conversation's very loose and very relaxed until it gets down to that, like that one V one area where he's, you know, you know what I'm talking about. I think it happened to you last night, actually. And it was just like you and one of the dude. And all of a sudden you see his face just explode. <laughs> when you're able to create moments like that, that's something watchable. That's something palatable. That's something that I can I can see myself supporting because that was an awesome moment. And there's moments like that all over your stream. And that's what's going to help set you apart. I think you need to work on your branding a little bit, though. But you and I can talk about that. But that's something that a lot of streamers need to take into consideration. You know, you you can't automatically just jump into a bandwagon and expect people to just automatically start flocking to your channel. It just doesn't work that way. I really do feel like this next year is going to be big. I agree. Lots of extra content of all types. So we as video gamers get a lot of options. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, you know, one of the best pieces of advice that I was given when I was starting out Actually, it wasn't anything that I was given explicitly, but I was out researching for information, trying to figure out how to do all this shit. And the one thing I kept coming across has actually stuck with me and is actually also partly responsible for why I do things the way I do them now. And that is that 1v1. I know you go silent. <laughs> Fucking laser focused, dude. And that is play what you enjoy. You know, you, you're going to want to play the games that you want to play, not that other people want you to play. Save that for, like, goof-off days or whatever. You know, games with viewers, you pick the game or some shit like that. But don't let your audience control your content because eventually that audience is going to get sick of it and they're going to want to move on to the next thing. They're not going to suggest, hey, you know, we're not really digging the whole Fortnite thing anymore. Why don't you start playing Atlas? No, they're going to start saying, oh, dude, there's this awesome guy that plays Atlas. Whoosh. Immediate lane change. So pick the games that you want to play, that you thoroughly enjoy playing. If you're a retro gamer, you enjoy playing all the old SNES and Sega titles and Atari and all that shit. Play that. There's a huge audience for that kind of shit. If you're a sim game player you really enjoy the fucking sim city the sims the farming sims the airplane sims whatever the fucking type of simulator is if that's what brings you enjoyment from your gaming build your content around that because when you start playing the games that other people want you to play like if you're on a team or if you're forming a group or whatever and you're you're trying to 
you're just trying to make everybody else happy, it's going to show in your stream and it's going to show in your content and you're not going to be having fun doing your own show. And that is for sure going to make people want to go away because they're, we're here to have fun, man. We're here to have a good time. Essentially just escape from the, what's going on in the rest of the world and just get, get roped into some shit with some like-minded people. Yeah, I'm trying to make power moves like that now. Just made a new profile pic today. It's kind of dope. It is actually kind of dope. And I had that image in my head at one point for like when you were asking for like suggestions for, for branding and stuff. So I'm glad you're going with it. I think that is a very marketable scheme for you. And if you if you really follow through with it, and I think if you if you pair up with like some really badass uh graphics people that you can really share a vision with, then that shit's going to look awesome. You're really going to be able to set yourself apart. So that's fucking dope, dude. I'm actually excited for you for that. That's awesome. You need to keep me updated <coughs> on how that goes. Okay. So another part of what tonight's show is, aside from trying to cover some serious shit that's going on in the streaming world, again, if you want to weigh in on those discussions do so in the chat here or if it's already passed by you can jump into my discord anything goes in there almost as long as it's related to the topics of the show um there are some off stream follows that we got that i did not recognize yet kevin inspire squidhead joe and our very own bus fellow bus writer h46 it i'm not sure if that's how you actually say that name but that's how i'm going to say it until he tells me otherwise and them TV 59 and Tats and Racks, another bus rider. Thank you guys so very much for following the channels. Your support means the world to me. And that's why I continue to do what I do. Because people keep watching it. And that makes me happy. Um, another big part of tonight's show is that uh, a couple of weeks ago, I came across a story that this year is the 10th anniversary of Left 4 Dead. If you've never played Left 4 Dead, Left 4 Dead was the multiplayer PvE and PvP zombie first-person shooter uh, from Valve Software, people responsible for uh, Half-Life and Counter-Strike, a bunch of other games, people that own Steam. And the game was really ahead of its time for a lot of different reasons. Um one of them being, and is covered in this the story that I came across, that uh, there was this feature of the game that was called the director. And it wasn't any one person. It wasn't like an NPC or anything that you could actually see or hear within the game. But it's what they referred to uh, as, as a mechanic that kind of ran in the background that decided when certain zombies would spawn when certain events would take place and it would actually cue music in to certain situations. We're going to be playing some Left 4 Dead 2 here in a little bit to kind of celebrate the 10 years. But that was something that we hadn't seen in any other multiplayer games. Like everything was really cued specifically and it was attached to a certain line of code where an event took place and certain markers when a player crossed a certain zone in a game and immediately we knew this thing was going to happen sometimes it was based on of a off of a like a, a random number generator so it would seem random at certain points but it really wasn't 
this was the first game that was really able to create that genuine random feeling atmosphere that was programmed into a game so it can't really be called random but it it carried across that feeling of of uh um i'm i'm brain farting here but it 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 made it feel more spontaneous than other games were able to produce at that time so like for example what really created the originality behind the game is that it played like a movie and it played like a horror movie. If you ever watched any of George A. Romero's old zombie flicks, the Day of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, I mean, you can, there's a fucking laundry list of these of the dead movies that he did. Godfather of the zombie genre. This wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Romero, okay? Uncertainty. That's another thank you. Fucking Brad, I love you, man. <laughs> um, and it played like one of those movies. So you're like, it's like you and three other players. It's either uh bot bot controlled or you play with some friends and you run through these different stages of this one campaign and each stage kind of feels like different scenes of your movie and you'll you'll see what i'm talking about here soon it's re it's really hard to put into words this article did a really good job of it uh if you follow me on twitter i i shared it there earlier this afternoon and it's worth the read but games like that, you don't come across very much. And it really, that's the kind of thing that creates replayability for a game. You know, it's what, it's something within that is able to create a sense of originality of that content, you know? And there was no real like driving story behind any of these campaigns to speak of. But because it felt different every time you played it and you're able to kind of make the movie differently each time it played. Gave every player every reason in the world to come back and keep playing. And that's why I loved these games when they first came on uh, on Xbox 360 is when I first played on them. And I remember when my cousin showed them to me and the first time I played, I got frustrated as shit because there was no zoom. It plays just like Counter-Strike. So that took getting used to. But then also just the uncertainty of it all. Again, thank you, Brad. Took a lot of getting used to because up until that point, you hadn't played a game like that. Certain things seemed spontaneous and they seemed random and kind of like off chance or whatever, but there was a line of code behind it that told that event to create some character that would pop up and try to attack you, for instance. And it was in this case, it really kind of played off of how you were doing. So if you're doing really, really well, the director would throw you a curveball to try and kind of like get you off your game a bit. And it would be like an entire rushing horde of like 50,000 zombies that you had to fight off. Or it would throw... Uh, one of the special zombies around the corner, like a smoker or a tank or whatever it was, depending on how you were doing. And it was just always predicated by either some kind of a soundbite or some kind of like musical overtone. Played like a fucking movie, dude. I'm telling you, you'll you'll know, you'll understand when I when I start playing. But 10 years later, this game is still relevant because of all of that shit. Because Valve created such a unique product in these games. We're still 
crying out for a Left 4 Dead 3. Some fucking asshole threw out a, a Photoshop teaser. Valve leader came back and, and debunked it, but playing on our emotions and <laughs> created a, a teaser poster. Had the entire fucking internet in an uproar for like a couple of days. It was it was fucked up, man. But the game still holds on to a very serious fan base to this day because of that. I can still go into this game and it will not play like I played yesterday or last week or whatever. I'm going to be playing the same game, but I'm going to be playing a different game at the same time. And that's what kept people coming back to to play it. My buddy Whoop, the first episode we played this game, he he talked at great length about about some of those very points. And I, I'm hard pressed to really think of any other developer that's been able to create a game like that since then. You know, I, I guess you could say Skyrim. Like I've come back to Skyrim numerous times. I still do it today. You know, in the in terms of replayability, but that's that's a totally different game. I don't, I don't think the two are actually comparable to each other in any way. In that game, the Darwin Project, they are making a player as the director. It's kind of crazy. He can really change the direction of the game. Now, is that... I've seen that name, Darwin Project, before. I want to say I saw it on Steam. I can't remember. Do I still have Steam up? Let me see if I can find this shit. Because I think I know which one you're talking about. But I want to be sure. Because if it's the one that I'm thinking of, if you're playing it, then yeah, okay. If you're going to start getting into that, I don't know if they have crossplay on that one or not, but I would for sure. Because this one looks pretty original. Yeah, Darwin Project takes the Battle Royale genre up north. Mm. We're an impending ice age. Mm has given rise to a twisted new reality in which 10 participants must fight to the death under the show director's gaze. Okay, see, there's the point you made. Okay, winter and, and blizzards and things like that. I was like, oh, Ring of Elysium. And is every Battle Royale game going to have, like, some ice world now? Like, is that the new thing? I played the night of my Evolve fail. I found it. Oh, okay. Well, how did you like it so far if you've... If you've already played through some of it, I would love your point of view on what the game has to offer so far. It came out last year. Did it really? I'll be damned. Yeah, March 9th, 2018, release date. Do do. Well, let's see, how much room did I have left on my hard drive? Ugh, not much. All right, I do want to give that a shot, though. So I'm going to tag it and add it to the wish list. Did that actually get added? Yeah, okay. So I'll come back and check that out. It's been kind of like creeping around my brain for a few, for a few weeks when I first came across it. But I was like, uh, another battle royale game i don't know if i want to do that and then my buddy matt got me playing ring of elysium he was like it's like a free-to-play PUBG. it almost plays exactly like PUBG." i was like okay 
I guess I'll give that a shot. I've been playing PUBG Mobile for like a while now. I guess it's give this a shot. I've had a lot of fun with it, surprisingly. Like even when I'm playing like shit, like I'm still having I'm actually still having fun playing the game. I don't know how they managed to do that, but rolling out their season two, I think today or yesterday. So launching out into another season that reads well for them. It's another Tencent game. Tencent seems to have the battle royale genre really on lockdown after they became principal investors in, in Epic and uh, PUBG Core. Trying to trying to create a BR monopoly, it seems like. I don't know. I don't know where their head's at. I don't know if I should trust them. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, Darwin Project looks looks very interesting. So I'm I'm curious to check that out for sure. So okay. Let me get into song requests. Let me get this one going. I have some playlists on Backburner. If you have any songs you would like to put into the song request tonight, use the command exclamation point SR and then put in your song name or your YouTube URL or whatever you choose to use. As a PvP with only 10, it's more intense in a way. With the director dictating how the match develops. Smaller map, less guns, no buildings, very simple. So it's very, it seems like it's a very fast paced, like, kill or be killed kind of thing. You know, it's not so much like strategic and how you're going to defend yourself or where you're going to find cover and shit. It's like, find these motherfuckers and kill them before they kill me. That's what it sounds like, at least. I don't know if that's, if that's the impression you got as you played. I could be entirely wrong. Turn that down a little bit more. Okay, let's change scenes. Here we go. <coughs> my allergies have been absolutely insane. I feel like my sinuses are just going to like pop out of my face. Like Ice Age meets Battle Royale, yeah, basically. Okay, okay. Hmm. Actually, sounds like a lot of fun. So yeah, I'm gonna give that a shot. Thank you very much, sir. Okay, we're gonna play through a campaign. Uh, we're gonna play single player. I might open it up later and get some some random folks in there, but I don't know if I want to do that. Let's see. Campaign. Let's do... Yeah, let's do Hard Rain. So you'll see what I mean as, as like the moments to kind of just start to roll on as the game plays and shit. How the, the director really kind of plays a part. But in this sense, the director isn't a person. It's like a feature or a mechanic that they had added into the source coding of the game that really dictates where certain things spawn. The musical overtones that take place during certain situations. It's all based on how well you and your your group is playing through that particular campaign. It's really advanced 
in in my opinion, for at least when that game came out. I remember the first time I played Left 4 Dead over at my cousin's, the first time I played through, and we were running through this flooded area. Yeah, it should be easy. We were running through this flooded area, and I immediately got attacked by a hunter. And that was my introduction into the game, basically. And from then on, I got hooked. You'll see what a hunter is. We'll 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 run into more than one. Axes are fun for sure. Ammo, shotguns. Oh, sorry, dude. Hmm, my mouse clicks seem to be a little delayed. Let me, uh, Can you get okay? Ammo here. Got a deagle. That's the hunter, but that's a spitter. That's acid spit. Grab one of these. Grab that pipe bomb. Okay. Guns here. Uh, I'm going to switch to the shotgun. Everybody, grab a weapon. Just because that pistol was like... I think I played at the mall my first time. For real, though? Where are we looking? Oh, shit. I hear him. So here's what I mean. Here's the, the close to one scene. We're crossing over into another one now. You get stats based on how you did in each scene. I mean, it, it carries through like a game slash movie. Damn right. Take I can. Grab pills. Now here in the safe houses, we have a chance to loot up. Uh, I want to keep. Okay, here's what we'll do. Go ahead and deploy, deploy these. Oh, yeah. Grab my first aid kit. Uh, normally there is a, yes, an ammo stash. Reload. Yes. Grab some of these. Grab me a Molotov. I think I'm good to go. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's the exit. 
Road's blocked. We gotta head through. This is what I'm talking about when it when I say replayability. Like there's all these different things that help make the game unique. So many witches. I forgot about this place, dude. Like I did not remember what I was getting myself into when I did this. Yeah, I got some pain pills here. But you can see what I mean, how the, the pace and the flow kind of plays like a movie. Like a horror movie, like your own zombie flick. It's fucking great, dude. And that's what, a, what a, one of the things that I love about this game. Okay, everybody gassed up and good to go? Yep, got one. Let's hear it back to the boat. And when you're able to create something like this, it really, it makes me hopeful for what, uh, for what they're going to be able to do for Anthem. You know what I mean? So I am, I for one am very excited for that game to come out. So what is it you look for that keeps you coming back to a game? Is it the... The constant flow of, of new content that you're able to download? Is it replayability within the original game? Is it multiplayer? Is it... What is it? What what keeps you coming back to a specific game over and over again? For me, it's kind of like this this different experience that you get with each playthrough. But it's also like engageable characters and, and uh, captivating storyline. You know what I mean? Like when I can get when I can get lost in a game and feel like I'm becoming the characters that I'm playing as, it's pretty special. Um, after the break, we are going to be doing some unboxing, checking out some new products that I've gotten in uh, from the recent giveaway that I won, and I'm gonna try and have uh some people from the company that made one of these items on the podcast talk about it and kind of go over some things with us and see what they're all about. Um, so this is going to be pretty fucking dope. I thought I was going to have some rogue energy coming in today, but apparently USPS kind of dropped the ball on that shit, so it'll be here Monday. So I'll be able to tell you guys about that on next show. Next show. Okay. Come on, come on, come on, come on, everybody. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Holy shit. I was like that close to dying, too, before we get out of there. Oh, jeez, dude. Those games get intense, you know what I mean? Because you don't know when the waves are going to come in. You don't know 
when the the special zombies are going to come through, like the tank and the charger, the spitter. I forgot that there were so many witches on that fucking level. But goddamn, dude. Goddamn. That's what I'm talking about when games really stick with you, man. And they just give you a reason to keep coming back. The new... Some some of the ads and stuff for calling it a gaming backpack. I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but it's a badass backpack. So this... After some haggling, not really haggling, but there was some confusion with postage and the post office was creating some hassle and some things. So after delays, this thing finally came in and I haven't really explored it yet. But we're going to see. Now, one of the things that I did read up on this thing, if you can see it, do you know you're the greatest, man. All you guys. You guys are fucking sick. Um, all the seams here are completely closed. Like, there's no zippers or anything like that around the outside. One of the fe key features of this backpack is security. And what they've done is actually simplistic yet genius. Is they've put the zippers and compartments on the inside against your back. So if you're in like a crowded area, especially in big cities, no one can just jack your shit. There's all these pockets here against like the backrest. I'm trying to aim the camera or aim it to the camera as best I can. The main pocket is up here. And if you're just listening to this, make sure you check out the YouTube version so you can actually see everything I'm talking about. Subscribe to the new YouTube channel that's strictly for the podcast. Uh, links are in the Discord and other areas. Social media and whatnot. So there's these little side pockets. The main compartment here is fucking crazy so there's another little pocket here there's a thing here that says rfid protection so like if you have credit cards and like shit like that in here there's like a layer in here that protects all that information from being like wiped or scanned or some shit i don't really know how that works when the guy comes on the show he'll be able to explain all that stuff to us a usb port or cord to connect to a portable phone charger and then that comes out where does that come out at it goes in here now I just have to know okay so there's the cord where is it Comes down to here. Okay. So there's this guy here. You can connect your phone charger there. Charge your phone on the go inside the backpack. The charger can rest in one of the any of these little pockets here. There are compartments for your laptop. 
which is surrounded by this thick padding, so it's nice and protected. Tablet. This shit has everything. And it's it looks like it's built for like the traveling gamer in mind. To keep all of your stuff safe so that you don't necessarily have to overly be concerned about it. There's these little mini pockets here, like the flaps and shit. Um I could not be happier with this backpack, to be honest. This is this is insane. This is like the nicest backpack I've ever had. <laughs> Uh, but it looks like we checked out most of the features that at least we can pick up on before we have people that know better uh, come out and explain it to us. And I think we'll go ahead and do the monitor. Hold on. I'll be right back. So I don't have a lot of space to work with. You'll have to bear with me. But ugh. yeah, it came in this huge ass box. That guy, Jermaine, how much is that bag, man? Some really helpful, seems really helpful for when I travel to see family. Um, I believe the backpack goes for somewhere between like 50 and 100 bucks on Amazon. Um, but it's definitely worth looking into. And it's definitely worth looking up. Um, whatever they're charging for it is, is more than worth the money, in my opinion. Because like I said, like the design is, is simple, but the genius lies in its simplicity because, you know, who would have thought of putting the zippers just up against your back? And it's like, this is the easiest thing ever. They're not exposed to, to any wandering hands or eyes or anything like that. So, okay, this is actually... Ugh, this is my first time opening this monitor. And I'm trying to do so. Probably in a very poor way. So, what do we got here? What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? This looks like a mount and stand. Right? That's what that looks like. Uh, Alright, we got some loose parts here. Some screws. Allen key and a screwdriver. Power cords. Very helpful. USB. HDMI. We got a user's manual here. This is the GN32LD. 31-inch curved monitor from Viotech. Uh, this looks like a stand. Alright, we got a layer of foam here. Ooh, 
would you look at that? Where's the opening? It's not too heavy for it being a a bigger size monitor. It's kind of surprising. But I'm not complaining either. Ooh, baby. That is pretty. So you can see the curve there. See the curve. That's 31 inches. And just the texture of the screen, man. I mean, this. I can already tell the, the image and the picture on this thing is going to be exquisite. A uh, 31 inch. 31, not 35. I, I'm not sure I'd have the space in here for a 35. <laughs> Uh, I am not setting it up just yet, though, because, as I said at the top of the show, we're actually just signed a lease to a new place. Let me get this thing in the back of the box so I can actually get back on cam and talk to you guys. But we just signed the lease on a new place, so we're going to be moving soon. So I just wanted to share that with you guys, but I have to throw her back in the box until we get to our new house. So she's going to stay so much in this foam, this foam cage until we get there. And just wondering, does this monitor come with a headphone? I know it sounds silly. Uh, no, no, that's not silly, man. Only stupid question is the one that doesn't get asked. Um, no, this one particular doesn't come with a headphone. Chances are you're going to run into something like that more with like a, uh, a bundle sale or some kind of like package deal or something like that. I don't think you're typically going to run into too many monitors that actually come with headphones. That's going to be a, you know, uh, yeah, that's going to be like a special promotional thing or a package deal or something like that. So I'm excited. Uh, definitely recommend the backpack. I could not recommend the backpack enough. I am going to try out the monitor as soon as I can once we move. Sorry, I meant to say headphone jack as my monitors don't have. Oh, okay. I didn't see one. Um, but I will, I will look into that a little closer. Sorry, man. I'd already boxed it up. But I didn't really get a chance to properly read your question. But we do have a manual here. Maybe we can find something in here real quick. Before we sign off for the night. Let's see. Got DPI H. This actually has a DVI connection on it. That is a throwback. All right, I do see audio output, but it doesn't say if it's a 3.5 millimeter or if it's a quarter. 
But I'm I'm willing to bet that is the headphone jack that we're looking for. Okay, yeah. There's the bottom connections where the display ports are. And then there's the 3.5 millimeter headphone jack right there. So this, yes, to answer your question, this monitor does come with a headphone jack. So if you're using HDMI, theoretically it should transfer audio through that, but if you have an external speaker connection. I would just connect your headphones to that. Uh, that's that's how I have my, my rig set up currently that I'm using right now. The headphones here are just connected to the side of the speaker. It just seemed more of an efficient way to, to go about that. This cable is also like 100 feet long. So that <laughs> I've had to do some, some wrangling of wire management and things like that but you know it's whatever you prefer really um so okay i wanted to read this little piece real quick before we go um as you know or anyone who saw this past e3 will know that cd project red finally made a like concrete announcement about cyberpunk 2077 we saw like some quick teaser footage i think not too long ago they even released a um gameplay demo that's like almost an hour long or some shit like that um basically what this is about is they have said that the um the open world of the action rpg is not going to contain any procedural elements see i have an output 3.5 i don't understand what is a output on the pc well, I mean, output is output. You know what I mean? It just depends on which part of the system that the audio is actually being outputted from. Is it being outputted from your monitor? Or is it being outputted from your PC? Chances are it's being outputted from your PC unless you have some kind of connection uh, from the tower to your monitor that's feeding it an, an audio signal. So, I mean, it kind of depends on how your rig is set up, to be honest. Um, you know, if, if you're needing audio out of your monitor, then, you know, I would, I, I would definitely recommend this one. But if it's more of a, like an aesthetic choice or something like that, I'd, I'd probably just go from the PC. But again, it's, it's based on your preference, man. Um, sorry. So no procedural design elements. The map is more of a vertical based map rather than horizontal. So if you think of like Skyrim, how the, the map kind of expands on like a, a plane. Well, Cyberpunk 2077 is going to be more vertically based. I don't know. I haven't seen like the gameplay or anything like that. So I don't know what that's exactly leading to. But what the, uh, what is this guy's name? Hold on. Uh, lead cinematic animator. And I am sorry if I butchered the pronunciation of this name. Maciej Pietras. Pietras. There. Anyway, 
I butchered it. Uh, was asked how large players should expect Cyberpunk 2077's open world of Night City to be, leading the developer to explain the measuring such metrics is difficult due to the vertical nature of the map. During Pietrus's explanation, though, he revealed that nothing in the world has been generated procedurally, stating that everything has been done by hand through manual creation. Per a transcription of the interview done through Google, Google Translate, uh, here's what he said. To compare Cyberpunk 2077 to The Witcher 3, both games this current developer is actually responsible for, Let's say the world of the latter was very vast in its length. It was an open world made of a very large natural landscapes. Going from point A to point B took a lot of time because you were riding, but also because it was a game that stretched horizontally. The world of Cyberpunk 2077 is above all a vertical world with buildings everywhere. And in this, it is difficult for us to establish a metric comparison. The game will allow you to enter many buildings knowing that everything was done by hand because we believe that quality comes first through manual creation. Nothing is procedural in our world. It is in this that the city of Night City will be vast to go thanks to this verticality. So when people start to think about like delayed release dates and you know a game taking significantly longer than they said that was going to take before you know release or before we see a beta or a demo or anything like that i i appreciate how transparent that they're being for you know the development of the game because there's stuff like that going on behind the scenes that us fans players and customers don't really understand and it's taking measures like that that's going to give us a mind-blowing experience from our games. I I am reluctant to make any kind of, of predictions or anything like that based on Cyberpunk right now because they've been so secretive about it. Other than what they've released to the public, of course. But they've taken so much time and put so much effort into what this game is going to be days have been delayed they've been going through this by hand like the ceiling for this thing is going to be set really high and i honestly think they're going to just obliterate it they're going to plow right through it and this game is going to be unlike anything we have experienced in the last 15 years and I feel like I'm being kind. Because the monitor has built-in speakers, but the speakers are trash. And I use my console and the monitor. Ah, so the playing games, the sound is trash. So would it be better getting a monitor that has a headphone jack with it? Sorry for the long message. Don't worry, man. No worries. Um, in that case, I would actually just take your headphones and plug them right into the back of your PC. Uh, there's like the, the little green 3.5 millimeter output for your speakers. Uh, just bypass the monitor altogether because it's the monitor that's making shit sound trash or the built-in speaker system that's in your monitor making it sound like trash. Just 
get rid of the middleman you know what i mean and just go straight from the source and then if you feel like getting an a, an extra speaker system in the future or when you pick up another monitor that has a headphone jack then you can you can make some changes there but if if it's a question of quality then i would just forget the monitor altogether as far as trying to get audio from it and just take your headphones and and go straight to the machine dude i think i think you're going to get a much better auditory experience uh if you go that route hopefully that helps um you know i do have to sign off unfortunately so if you want to shoot me a dm uh here or in discord or on twitter i you know i can help you out again as soon as i have time um but i am a family man i have kids they're going to be up early which means i have to be up early too so we're going to go ahead and end things here for tonight I do appreciate everybody that did come by to check out the show. Uh, episodes are now being edited and getting cut and thrown onto YouTube. We've had two premieres already. I'm going to be doing premieres for every episode that gets put up onto YouTube so that I can experience that with you guys and shoot back any questions you guys might have or just talking about the episode as it plays, whatever. Um, so make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Oh, shit. I hope I put the right link on, on the panels. Hmm. Oh, well, I'll deal with that later. Um, but I have created a separate YouTube for just the podcast. So that's what things are going to be premiering at. I still have the other one in case I do put together some gameplay edits or some let's plays or whatever, but um, not a primary focus at this point. So we will be back next Saturday, hopefully with a featured artist and hopefully with a new guest. Guys, if you're streamers and you're wanting to just kind of tell your story or if you want them to reach a different audience or a bigger audience and you think you might want to be a guest on a podcast, shoot me an email, thesickboylounge at gmail.com, sickboy spelled with a one, and shoot me a message. We'll get you on the show. No problem, brother. Thank you, man. Hey, dude. My pleasure. I'm, I'm happy to help in any way I can. Um, thank you for coming out. Thank you for anyone that's new, followed the new show, and we will be back next Saturday at 9 p.m. As always, guys, stay sick. Stay sick.